Welcome to Straight Talk on Health. I'm your host, Dr. Chet Zelasko. Straight Talk on Health is recorded in conjunction with WGVU in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I examine the world of health, whether it's research that makes the news, another miracle diet, or a new food fad. I look at the science behind them and let you know whether they're real or not. You can check out other things that I do on my website, drchet.com, and please sign up for my free emails. I've had a PhD in exercise physiology and nutrition for 35 years. In that time, I've seen no real increase in the number of people who exercise on a regular basis. It was about 15 to 20% then, and it's about the same today. Now, there are several different objectives for exercise. You have the people who love competition. We have people who strive to use exercise as a way to look good and maintain whatever their vision of fitness is. But the majority of people, and I would estimate it being over 80%, are simply interested in reducing their risk of disease. But with the guidelines that are currently in place, I think it may seem overwhelming to many people. It may be because they don't like to sweat. It may be because they don't want to invest the time because their lives are already overbooked. Maybe they don't realize that there are no hard and fast rules for how much we need to exercise because something is really better than nothing. Recent research may help them understand that a little bit better. But first, let's review the recommendation about exercise from the Centers for Disease Control and just about every medical society that exists, not only in the United States, but in the entire world. Here we go. Moderate intensity aerobic activity, such as brisk walking, for 150 minutes every week. For example, 30 minutes a day, five days a week. And muscle strengthening activities on two or more days a week that work all major muscle groups, legs, hips, back, abdomen, chest, shoulders, and arms. Or vigorous intensity aerobic activities such as jogging or running for 75 minutes every week and the same muscle strengthening activities on two or more days a week that work out all those major muscle groups I mentioned. Or you can also use a combination of moderate on some days and high intensity aerobic exercises per week in addition to the strength training activities. So there are choices. What was the first thing that crossed your mind when you heard the guidelines? Was it about time commitment? Was it about the effort you think is required? Was it that you didn't understand the exercises that qualify? Was it that you don't know much about weight training? Put all those aside. This podcast, as well as the next one, is going to focus on the health benefits of exercise by investing a minimal amount of time, equipment, and effort. And we're going to do it based on the recent research. This is not an attempt to get you super fit, but it is an attempt to get you doing something that recent research shows may impact your health and longevity. Using recently published studies, we're going to develop a reasonable exercise program that takes the least amount of time. And we're going to start with, of all things, isometric exercise, because it caught me by surprise. So let's turn to the research. Researchers conducted a literature search of all published studies that examined the impact of any type of exercise on systolic blood pressure and diastolic blood pressure. 
they conducted a pairwise and network meta-analysis to see which exercise helped blood pressure the most. And that sounds so fancy, but it, what it really means is pairwise is comparing two variables, while network is comparing more than two variables in the analysis. The most important finding was that every form of exercise significantly reduced both types of blood pressure, systolic and diastolic, when performed for two weeks or longer. Aerobic exercise training, dynamic resistance training, also known as weight training, combined training, high-intensity interval training, and isometric exercise training. When they compared the efficacy of every form with each other, isometric exercise lowered the systolic blood pressure the most, followed by, in order, combined training, weight training, aerobic training, and the high-intensity interval training, also known as HIT. To me, isometrics are somewhat easy to perform because it removes obstacles like orthopedic issues, for the most part, equipment, and other things. But why would it reduce blood pressure more than other modes of exercise? If you have a home blood pressure monitor, try a little experiment on yourself when you're done listening or pause the podcast and try it now, as long as you're not driving in your car. Set up your monitor and cuff and sit quietly in a chair. After five minutes, take a deep breath, exhale, and hit the start button on the monitor while breathing normally as your blood pressure is taken. Record the results. Make sure the cuff deflates completely and continue sitting for another five minutes. Then, repeat the deep breath, exhale, and hit the start button. But this time, I want you to contract the muscles in the opposite arm as hard as you can and hold that contraction until the blood pressure is done. But you got to keep breathing normally the entire time. Do you notice a difference in the blood pressure without and with contracting your opposite arm? Unless you lift heavy weights on a regular basis, you should. When you contract the opposite arm, you are restricting blood flow to that arm, thereby increasing the resistance. When you relax, there should be an increase in blood flow to that tissue. When you do isometric exercises regularly, that's what happens in every muscle group you do isometrics with. Back to the study. The researchers did a secondary analysis to see if they could find the exercises that lowered blood pressure the most. The wall chair worked best to lower systolic blood pressure, while running, as I would have expected, lowered diastolic blood pressure the most. Well, what's a wall chair? The idea is to stand a foot or so away from a wall, facing outward, lean back until your back contracts the wall, slide down to a sitting position, hold for 5 to 10 seconds, and then slide back up. Repeat 10 times, and you can do that several times a day. The key is to never hold your breath while you do it. The quads and the gastrocnemius are a substantial amount of muscle. Restricting blood flow with isometrics will increase the resistance on the heart and blood vessels. The benefit is that you will get a training effect on both that lowers blood pressure. What's actually going on with the nervous, cardiovascular, and muscle system isn't really quite clear. But knowing that, I'm going to help you do them. If you don't have orthopedic issues, and again, you don't hold your breath while performing the isometrics, no matter what muscle groups you use, you may help lower your blood pressure. 
I think the wall chair works the best due to the total muscle mass involved. But every muscle group will help. Want another isometric? Look no further than the plank from yoga. Move up to the plank position. Hold for 5 to 10 seconds while breathing. Return to the floor. Same deal as the wall chair in terms of reps and sets. In this case, you're contracting every muscle from your arms, especially your core, down to your legs. Will isometrics make you super fit? No. Super strong? No. There are limitations as to the angles where strength will increase due to something called specificity of training. But there seems to be an emphasis on improving health with short episodes of exercise. Isometrics fit that niche quite well, and as the study demonstrated, quite effectively as related to blood pressure. In the next podcast, we'll look at studies on exercise that can benefit your cardiovascular system. So until next time, this is Dr. Chet Zelanskos saying, health is a choice, people. Choose wisely today and every day.